Welcome to the Internet Advisor Podcast. I'm your host and producer, Foster Brown. Along with my co-host, Gary Baker, and our team of experts, we've been helping people like you since 1998 with your computer problems, introducing you to valuable resources, and promoting tech enterprise throughout Michigan. The Internet Advisor is a two-hour podcast recorded every week at the studios of historic WJR Radio in Detroit. Both hours of the show are available each week on this podcast and are streamed to our affiliates across the state of Michigan. We're also proud to be part of Detroit's newest and fastest-growing podcast network, PodcastDetroit.com. And now, here are your hosts with this week's Internet Advisor. Welcome to the Internet Advisor, your place for answers to your computer questions since 1998, with your co-hosts Gary Baker and Foster Brown and their team of tech experts. The door is always open at internetadvisor.net, on Facebook and through Twitter. But right now it's time to get you in touch with your helpful hosts on this week's edition of Internet Advisor. Welcome aboard the Internet Advisor. Hi, I'm Foster Brown, your co-host and producer of the program. And as usual, I'm sorry, I'm prejudiced. We got a great one for you today. (laughs) I know I say that every weekend, but we got a sterling program this afternoon. We're going to be talking about protecting your privacy rights. Looks like Congress may have tried to give them away. How do we keep them? We'll be talking about that in our first hour. Second hour, we're going to be looking at statues for the blind. to the Internet Advisor. Once again, your hosts, Foster Brown, Gary Baker, and Ed Rudell. The posse is back. The whole group is back in studio. It's the Internet Advisor, Max. (laughs) (laughs) Gary's back from the islands, man. Yes, I had had a great time. We're looking at boats. Yep, coming back. Glad you could make it back. Of course, you went through the the saga of dealing with American, different kinds of American airlines, not American airlines necessarily. No, no, it was American. Oh, was it American? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, oh, and, dear. and not not everywhere, but it was. Uh, management had a difficult time in Miami Airport last night. Oh dear! And they didn't know how to communicate with their gate people. Their gate people, most of them were friendly. Some of them were absolutely not. Just really frustrated with the people, and left. Oh, it my was, goodness. It was 2 o'clock in the morning, and they're trying to rebook people. Oh. Uh, just before they actually canceled our flight, Oh my goodness. Uh, there were three flights going, and uh, people got up and left and went, there's a whole line of people here. And the one guy that was still there said, yeah, but it was their shift ended. And I oh said, but Lord. there's a whole bunch of very sleepy people here. It's going to take you two hours to get through them all. Yeah, well, they're they're leaving, so we'll take we'll do them as fast as we can. The rest oh my of us. Goodness. It was just amazing that flying uh, the fl- experience of flying in this country has and, changed so radically. <laughs> and you know, I thought that bookings dot com was the only hassle that I was oh, having dear. on this trip. But you, uh, boy, do you have to read the. Um, you know how we all like look at something, and Expedia gives you a chance to 
to uh, cancel if you need mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. And in the airlines, you can just, you know, it's very obvious when you can cancel and when you can't. Bookings is not that way. Oh, dear. Be very, very careful. I, I okay. admitted to a couple people that uh, they're very, very close to an online predator. You okay. just have to be really careful of caveat, particularly that site. Caveat emptor, bookings.com. All right. Uh, Ed, good to have you back in house, too. Always great to be here. I'm glad I'm not flying. Oh, man. <laughs> Kel, you're back again. Glad to have you back in studio. Now, you're, oh, oh, do you fly out to your uh, events that you do? Uh, your um, your skates to work? The local ones within the tri-state area, I, was, yeah. uh, I, I drive to. And anything beyond that, uh, yeah, I normally hop onto a plane. Do you have the unpleasant experience Mr. B had? Well, last Jan- well, the past January, I was lucky enough to be uh, flying from uh, North Dakota back to Detroit. And that's when uh, Delta had that little thing where they're system just went down on them and i ended up being stuck in minneapolis for about five maybe six hours i finally got home about four thirty. that's not too bad five or six hours that's like a normal layover but it wasn't that bad i mean and i think they gave me a a voucher for something i don't know but it it wasn't the end of the world and those of us who when i can i'm maybe old enough that i can remember the days when flying was considered this really neat thing you know where it was kind of a luxury you paid it you know a substantial amount of money Mm -hmm. to fly but it was like you had meals on board the plane (laughs) it was like it really was geared toward the passenger nowadays it doesn't seem to be that way it's funny you should bring that up because i've been i was listening to talk radio during the week and the issue about flying came up and they talked about the days when you would get dressed when you went oh, flying. Oh, absolutely. The gentlemen would be in coat and tie. The women would be in, you know, in a dress or some sort of that sort of thing. And now it's like, you know, there, there are people getting onto the plane in pajama ba- pants or pajamas. Yeah, and, with a backpack. And yeah, it's just a it. different world. But, uh, of course, now they don't treat you on a plane like they used to. They, they pretty much herd you in there, and they try to pack as many as they can on the plane to make the yep. maximum amount of money they mm-hmm. can. Which, well, you know, that's to, what to business is all about. Yeah. yeah, it keeps the price down, too. Yeah, but yeah. at the cost of sardines. <laughs> yeah, good oh. point. <laughs> you know, but, and, you know, Delta now, um, and there have been, pro- top, there's problems with every company, right? Oh, yeah. And there, as long as they communicate, flawless. If, if American had communicated well last night, most of those people would have said, and I certainly would have said, all right, they're trying the best they can. The pilot got sick coming from Mexico. Got to oh, find Lord. another pilot. Can't find a pilot. Okay. But communicate. So they would put up, okay, it, the flight's going to leave at 1240. And at 12.50, they said, you know, 10 minutes after it's supposed to leave, we're all going, well, it's obviously not leaving. We can't <laughs> even get on the plane. And, you know, and th- then they would put up, okay, it's going to leave at 130. And then they wait till like one forty to put oh, up another dear. time, you oh. know. And it's like, just tell us, you know, right? and, and that's just why you download trouble. You download the app for that, right? Because I had to. I was texting my daughter when her flight was delayed because I had the app downloaded when she went to Jacksonville. Which app is that for Delta? Yeah, but see, oh. Delta now, if you if you and, look but, at the statistics, mm-hmm. they have um, better on time delivery than the next three major air. Um, the carriers. Uh, air carriers combined. Well, then, yeah. So Delta's really made a significant increase there. And people like to work there. You can tell. When you take care of your people, it's always a management problem, it right? Is. And mm. the, it's not just airlines. When a, a company's failing, it's a management problem because they're not taking care of their people, and their people will take care of their customers. Well, guys, right? there, there, there is a bright, uh, something bright on the horizon. If we're interested in space flight, 
because <laughs> just this last week, SpaceX successfully relaunched and landed, and they retrieved a Falcon 9 rocket. Now, what's so neat about this and so important is that this is probably um, the beginning of a real ability to quickly turn around at, at much lower costs, right. spaceflight. And we're probably going to see, thanks to Mr. Elon Musk and the folks over there at SpaceX, we're probably going to see much quicker times, less time in the waiting room if you're I'll, planning on I'll, making a, a, a circuit around the sun. <laughs> I'll, I'll bet SpaceX has a better uh, on-time. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, the big news is that they were able to retrieve that Falcon 9 rocket and so now their goal, ultimately, will be to land and relaunch on the same day. Can you imagine that will be something to see as we move into the future, the bright future. Well, speaking about the bright future, not quite as bright as it was before for those of us who are concerned about our privacy online. We'll be talking to some experts in just a moment. Well, as of last week late, your internet service provider can now sell your browsing history to the highest bidder. That wasn't the case up until recently. As a matter of fact, um, the Republican-led Senate voted along party lines 50 to 48 to roll back the broadband privacy rules that had been implemented just a few months ago under the Obama administration. And the resolution nullifies the regulations passed by the Federal Communications Commission in October. Uh, which required Internet service providers, ISPs like Comcast um, and uh, Verizon, well, Comcast, Verizon, and... Um, well, even, um, e- even uh, like, may, uh, wouldn't that be Yahoo as well? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, it, as well as mobile data carriers like Verizon Wireless to get customers permission before sharing their sensitive information. So before so, then, no, you had to have the permission. No, that's not true at all. That's what it says. Whoa, she, you probably it, got it off the internet. I read it off the internet. <laughs> yeah, probably got it off the internet. I ran, okay. a, I ran an ISP, right? Yeah. Owned one. Okay. I can tell you, we if you, all you did was you have a contract with the user. So if they say, yes, continue, right? Read the terms and conditions, check that box and continue. Right. If it's in the terms and conditions, so it's the contract with the user. So that was what was, you know, in, and if you'd said, look, we'll sell it anonymously, mm-hmm. right? They could sell it anonymously, and most did. Hmm. Right? Because the uh, the, the way they took, it's being... your, they took out the individual identifiers, right? Okay. But then, but most did. But essentially, you had to give your permission to have that done, don't you? Well, of course, I just said you got yeah. to check the box. Okay. Okay. And this and particular... of course, you read it. You yeah. read every time, right? right? Exactly. So no, no, no. I understand happens. what you're saying. So, so, so yeah, but okay. So if I want to get internet service, I have to check the box. If I don't check the box, you don't get internet. Service. You don't get internet service. Right. And I, yet I'm paying for it. I want internet service. So well, you we don't have to pay for it if you don't get it. We no longer have to check the box. I, that, that's it. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter if we check the box or not now. It's, they could do what they want. Well, it's still a contract with the user. Yeah, it is. Let's just, so it was, so, it was always that way. Well, then here's the magic question I have for you, Gary, because you can answer this because you've been involved with this. Is the contract with the entity or the contract with... Am I having a contract with the entity when I do that so that if you decide to sell, if Comcast decides to sell to another company, then they automatically get, get those rights that go with it? Or If it's in the contract. Okay, right? so you have to read the contract. Yeah. Okay. And, and most of us don't. Right. Oh. All right. Yeah, exactly. All right. We have a couple of people online with us, and we're going to get them involved in the conversation as well. Kasten Thomas is with us. He's our security expert from Interworks Technology. Kasten, thanks for being with us here on the Internet Advisor. 
Happy to be here, Forrest. Hi. <laughs> Thanks, hey, Captain. Captain. And also with us is Sean Murphy, who is a CEO and uh, the inventor of Sender.com, S-N-D-R.com. Uh, Sean, thank you so much for being with us as well. Hey, thanks for having me. Okay, maybe you can jump into what essentially Gary is saying, if I'm interpreting it, is that all along we have essentially given up our rights to privacy. The only difference, because we've signed the contract that essentially said, check the box, and if you're going to have Internet service from us, we'll do what we will with your So a lot of companies, though, said we will never do it. Right, but some companies did. It's in the contract, so it's okay. all individual. It's all different it's depending all on contract. what's depending on the contract. What's happening? Am I right then? Uh, either one of you, Caston or Sean, you maybe comment on this. That the difference right now is that you don't have to worry about what's in the contract or not. Kasten? Well, I mean, the the idea here was that there was an additional layer needed that uh, you know the the ISP subscriber had to opt in for this additional. Uh, selling of that data. So yes, of course, that data has always been captured. Some of them, for, you know, for network quality of shirt, you know, quality of service purposes. Sure. Uh, some for uh, enforcement. You know, people that are downloading it, uh, you know, over BitTorrent. Uh, Comcast has, has stated that they they keep that for you know half a year. Uh, so a lot of this information has been kept for for quite a while. And this was just a temporary measure to stop the the um, the business of selling that data. Okay. And that measure, you're talking about the measure that was in, in, let's say, brought into effect last October by the FCC, right? That's correct. And that, you know, that covered the contents of your communication, your emails with them, uh, you know, any sort of apps you might be using, geolocation, that type of stuff. Okay. That, by the way, this is Sean Murphy speaking, right? <laughs> yes. Get the voice. I think so. We'll get the voices <laughs> sorted out. Okay. <laughs> so, Cash, the, the question then arises is, is there a way now, and the, the question is being asked openly is, is there a way of protecting that consumers can use to protect their privacy online? Caston, is there a way now that can be used? Well, certainly, if you don't use Yahoo, AOL, Google, Facebook, or any of those, because even as as we're going to talk about VPN and other protections, Mm -hmm. uh, those companies all have ways of tracking activity beyond just your Internet address. So uh, we can go into detail, but... Well, the reason I'm asking the question is, and that was, you mentioned VPNs, it's a specific question that I have, is will, are VPNs virtual private networks? Well, first of all, let's explain to the listeners what a VPN is. Anyone want to take that one? And, well, we'll let our guests do that because it's right. a, it's a way of establishing a um, um, an encrypted tunnel between my PC and a server out there so that my traffic uh, cannot be snooped on between my PC and its final destination. And, and there are companies, am I right, Cashman and Sean, that offer this kind of service? Oh, there's, there's quite a few of them. And you can also, you know, depending on what sort of router you might have at home or at your office, you can set that up in, in your house. And, you know, my personal opinion is that's, that's probably a really great way to go uh, if you have a trusted Internet pipe. Uh, some third-party VPNs, though, that adds an additional question that, you know, could they be monitoring this traffic and, and in fact, selling it as well? <laughs> okay. So that is the issue, then, is if the, if the VPNs can be trusted themselves not to take that information and pass it on to somebody else. How e- how easy is it to set up a VPN, Kasten? Uh, it's not, it's <clears throat> not difficult for someone with uh, the ability to install Windows or install 
applications. It's just another application. Uh, you probably need a little bit of information on your uh, destination addresses and things like that, but these services typically have support to guide you through that or a step-by-step, here's where you go get your information in order to mm-hmm. uh, set up the application. Right, it's usually a paid-for service. You can get it for like $9 a month or even more. more. And mm-hmm. uh, some of it's free. There's free VPN out there as well. Yep. Now, does this work with all of your connections then online, or do you have to establish a, a link uh, a VPN protected link every time you get on to go to a different website. Well, most systems are going to be configured. You know, when you start them up, as soon as you initiate that first connection, you're going to establish that VPN link. Uh, there is some opportunity for for leakage, however. Um, but once that once that connection is established, typically it is um, you know it's it's pretty much set it and forget it. Uh, there's also other you know solutions other than VPNs as well. Okay. Um, uh, you know, really, the, you know, the idea here is really putting pressure on your ISP uh, to, to let them know that this is not something that's in their best interest. You know, if, if they're selling my data and I find out uh, and, and, you know, potentially I have a choice in ISPs, mm-hmm. I'm going to switch. I'm going to switch to somebody that doesn't do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Also, if I don't have a choice, which, you know, unfortunately is, is most of America, I'm going to reduce the services I get from them. I'm not going to buy a voice line from you. I'm not going to buy, you know, storage or email or anything else that they offer. Uh, and to, to basically put that pressure on them to stop, you know, stop mm-hmm. this as a, uh, you know, an economical, uh, you know, product that they will sell. Right. Cal, do you have a point? I mean, we talk about VPNs and stuff like that. But regardless, if you go on the Internet, it's, it's synonymous with driving on the street. I mean, as soon as you go out there, some way they'll be able to track you one way or the other, correct? I mean, you can't be invisible. And that, that's my point. I mean, we're, we're getting all up in arms about the ISP selling this information, but Google is selling the information. Facebook is selling the information. There are some very, very powerful companies in what's called ad tech that mm-hmm. have, you know, they're very, very powerful and they reoriented what it means for advertising in America. Gaston, and, they're not, and they're not even names that we've heard of. Yeah. Gaston Thomas is with us, CEO of Interworks Technology, Sean Murphy from Sender.com. We're going to come back and just a minute after a break, we're going to talk about some of those other solutions. And Sean, I want to talk about Sender.com, SNDR.com, your organization, and what you offer people as well. On Tuesday of this last week, the U.S. House of Representatives voted to kill Federal Communication Commission rules that would have stopped ISPs from selling data about ourselves and how what we do on the Internet. Last night, later that night, pardon me, Google searches in the U.S. for a tool called VPN, Virtual Private Network, spiked to a five-year high, according to Google Trends. Now, the question is... Was that really necessary? You know, and and this we were talking about this during the commercial break is that regardless, this is uh, with the repeal of this, um, we're just going back the way it was six months ago, right? Right. I mean, 
<laughs> that's really, that's all that's happening. I don't want to scare our listeners thinking that everyone has to go out and make sure that they use uh, secured uh, HTTPS whenever mm-hmm. they go to a website or make sure that uh, that they're using a VPN connection. You don't have to go out there. It's just reverting back to the same old way it was before in and, October of 2016. And, you know, all the big companies have said because somebody does actually read those T's and C's and reads the contract that you say, yep, click on I agree and and continue, right, which is your permission to do it. But there's other people that, that actually go through it, and they've all said, hey, you know, so-and-so, you're, you're not providing enough privacy for the people that uh, use your services. So they take and they say, all right, we're only going to do this in aggregate. And there's a lot of companies that sell data, but it's not tracked to you individually. Mm-hmm. You're just part of a statistic somewhere. Yeah, and, 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 and that's and a good that point. Matter, and right? that's a good point because one of the um, some of the media was saying, well, let's go out there and buy all of our government congressmen and senators. Let's buy their individual stuff. Yeah, you there can't were GoFundMe's. You can't. You do can't that. do it. So you hear these people were were. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of sensationalist stuff. Yeah. Well, that's, but, and they don't know. They're just journalists. They don't know they about don't know. technology. Well, Kasten Thomas, uh, the CEO of Interworks Technology, is with us on the line. Kasten, along with Sean Murphy, who is uh, with Sender.com. Kasten, you mentioned the fact that you know that Google and Facebook and a lot of other large companies are already gathering information. As a matter of fact, Cal, you had an interesting analogy about uh, being kind of like driving your car out of your house. Yeah, I mean, if you don't want to be seen on the Internet, you don't get on the Internet. It's just like if you you, you, you go out your driveway, you're going to be driving on the, the street. Someone's going to see you driving in the car. Your neighbors might actually see your drive pull out, yeah, your it, car pull out to drive, right? Unless you put yeah. on your VPN car yeah, and that sort of thing. But no, but they're going to they're gonna see you. So the, the whole bottom line is if you don't want to be viewed by the Internet, you don't want statistics gathered about you, don't use the Internet. If you do use the Internet, then just use it judiciously. If there's something you don't want people to know, just don't do that particular part of your life. Right. On the you internet. know, I or, you know, <laughs> a lot of people don't want to know, but there are neighbors knowing that I that they go out and buy Depends on Amazon <laughs> and have them delivered to their house. You but know, they can't tell that. Uh, they can't tell. I know. I'm just okay. saying. But a lot of people might be sensitive to stuff like that. Well, that, I think, is kind of the way it's yes. being played up. Uh, both uh, maybe Kasten, you want to comment first and then you, Sean. I mean, that seems to be kind of the way what's happened is it's like a sensationalism that's out there right now that's having people running for VPNs. Kasten? Right. And in order to fully protect yourself, that's just one component of protecting your privacy. You still need ad blockers. You have to eliminate all the cookies from your computer and uh, stop taking emails because advertisers, including Google, are embedding transparent one-pixel images into emails in order to be able to track how many times you've opened that email. And then once they've done that and they link it to web browsing, they know who you are and how many times you're clicking on links. And now they're able to essentially build cookie crumbs so that you're able to uh, track that individual, VPN or not, Mm -hmm. because you're trusting that other place that you're connecting to, whether it's Facebook or Google browsing, you're trusting them and you've already given them your rights to use their free service. I mean, it comes mm-hmm. back to, to what I always say. If you're not paying for it, then you're the product. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. And, you know, we're all using cell phones today to get on the Internet. And 
I put on location services because I want to use Google Maps. I want to recenter. I want to be able to uh, have right. them direct me to the nearest gas station if I use Gas Buddy or Waze or whatever. I'm asking them to, you know, track my location, right? Yeah. Hey, Sean, I want, uh, Sean Murphy is with us as well, and uh, he's the CEO and vendor of SNDR.com, Sender.com. You have, it looks like from what I've read of the material here, you have some solutions for people who are more interested in privacy. Am I right? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So th- this company was founded on, you know, restoring digital uh, privacy and, and just general, con- you know, consumer security. Uh, and, and everything we're talking about is, is just so wonderful to get out there and, and you know, let people know that this, you know, social media giants are, are doing this. And, you know, potentially the ISPs could be doing it as well. So all, all this conversation just helps everyone, uh, you know, really secure themselves and, and give themselves, you know, a little bit more privacy and, and, you know, maybe a little bit more education about this, too, is what, what everyone needs. How does your sender work? How does that, uh, that software that you develop work? Well, Sender is uh, is an upcoming communication and file sharing solution uh, that was designed specifically to eliminate this threat. Uh, you know, the idea is end-to-end cryptography is a, is a great solution, but it's almost inc- it's almost impossible for most people to use. Uh, once you get it set up and you get everyone else you know to to use it and buy into it, then it works. It's great. It's wonderful. I you know, me as the CEO of this company, I can't spy on you. I can't sell. Uh, any you know, metadata information about you. It's, it's fantastic. Uh, but the problem has historically been trying to get people to adopt it and, and you know, to ultimately care about it. And so really we're trying to find interesting ways to get people to buy into this, uh, to think about their privacy and their security. Because uh, it's not just you know, you know, what you do, but it's everyone that you interact with. You know, you're, if you don't use social media, well, your neighbor probably does or your best friend does. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden you get tangled up with that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. One of the aspects I see here in some of your information is that you can recall and annihilate sent messages. <laughs> it's fascinating. How do you do that? Well, again, it all goes back to this this concept of cryptography. When you send an email to somebody, uh, you're you're blasting out this this textual information, probably some attachments, uh, and that hops across different servers and it ends up on their computers. And you know, there's like 25 copies of it. You know. And so the idea here with Sender, this network that we're building, uh, is every step of the way is uh, part of a, a directed graph, we call it. Uh, and, you know, anytime someone wants to access it, uh, they have to get, they have to, you know, request cryptography keys. At any point in time, you can pull mm-hmm. them back. Um, so it's not that, you know, it's going to be absolutely perfect and, and wonderful. It's just, it gives you that peace of mind that, you know, anytime in the future, you can say, I don't want this content available. No matter where it is, I don't want it mm-hmm. to be decrypted. I don't want people looking at it. So this sounds like a, a, a pretty highly refined tool. It's SNDR.com. Gentlemen, we haven't got too much time left, so just kind of quickly, three things that you would give people to protect their privacy. If they're interested in protecting their privacy, what three pieces of advice would you give them? Let's start with you, Kasten. Oh, gosh, I'm, I'm a bit of a fatalist. I would say don't get online and throw <laughs> away your phone. <laughs> we, we live in what I call a society of surveillance. It's a fact of life, and it just seems to be that uh, the technology is outpacing all this. Um, you know, there are offline clients, Starbucks, Traxxas. Uh, if we've ever logged into a Starbucks network, 
uh, in in one of the stores, if we walk by, they know who we are and that we've just walked by. We don't even have to go into the store because our <laughs> Wi-Fi device says, here I am. Hey, Caston, so, I grew up in a small town. The, the Internet holds nothing over the surveillance <laughs> of my neighbor and, and all my you know my friends' uh, parents that uh, you know used to tell my parents about what I was doing. And, in and Spanish, that, there's so. a saying: "Pueblo pequeño, infierno grande." A small town is a large hell. <laughs> but Gary, you left. Yeah, good point. <laughs> hey, Sean, how about you? Any uh, tips you would give to our listeners in terms of? All right, don't don't panic, uh, but here are some things you might want to think of doing. I, you know, I think that probably the easiest for, you know, people to do is, is to really start reducing the amount of stuff that you're putting out there. You know, really don't feed these dragons. Don't give them, you know, where you're located at all point in time. And, uh, you know, really reduce which services that you use. And, you know, if you just do a quick Google search, you can probably find a lot of, you know, privacy problems that a lot of the apps most people use. Stop using them. And that sends a pretty clear message of, of what we want. Thank you very much, Sean, for being with us. Sean Murphy, CEO and inventor of SNDR.com, Sender.com. That's Sean, we'll, we'll post that, by the way, on our uh, show notes so that you can look at it further. And Caston Thomas, CEO of Interworks, good to talk with you again, sir, as always. Good to have you on with your wisdom. It's great, and the Sender application looks fabulous. It's very, very intriguing. Look forward to seeing that hit the market. All right. Thank you so much, gentlemen, for being with us. And guys, I guess the, the final thing is not to pull the, you know, hit the panic button. You know, this is, as you said, Ned, we're just going back to where we were in October. Absolutely. In many ways. And, mm-hmm. and just be wise about what you put online and know that you're being watched and the material that you're using is being sent around the block. We'll be back in just a minute with somebody who is in touch with the news, and that's Mr. Mike Brennan. And it's MI Tech News. We'll be looking at his headlines for the week in just a moment. It's that time of the program where we invite the editor himself in to be with us, and that's (laughs) Mr. Mike Brennan is with us on here on the, the radio program. Thank you very much. Mike, you want to bring him up that way? Thank you very much for doing that. Mike Brennan, good to have you with us. Thanks, Foster. Uh, I just came in off my front porch where I was relaxing in the sun, smoking a cigar. Nice day outside. No, oh, it's a good it's a good day for that. It's a good day. If you're in business in Clinton Township, it looks like it's a good day to buy yourself security cameras, according to one of your headlines. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is a first in Michigan, as far as we, anybody can tell. But the uh, the Clinton County Township uh, uh, Township folks have come up with a requirement that you have to have security cams if you're in a business that you know has high crime potential. You know, the liquor stores they always get hit, right? Oh, yeah. Hotels, banks, pharmacies, gas stations. You know, all those places the police have to deal with a lot. Now, it turns out about 75% of the businesses already have these cameras, but that still leaves about 25% of the businesses. I don't know how large that number is, but Clinton County is more than 100,000 people, so you're probably talking hundreds, if not thousands, of businesses are going to be able to, not be able to, but will have to do this by October 1st. That's fascinating. So you can, they can be forced to do that kind of thing? 
Yeah, you know, I, I still think there's going to be a court challenge on this. I yeah. mean, that, that seems like uh, you're really pushing the boundaries there where you say to a business, because, I mean, this is not going to be inexpensive. They, no. They're saying the average setup might be around a grand, but I think that's just a starting point. I think if you're going to have a really good setup, you're talking about tens, maybe $10,000 or so, but who knows? Oh, it's, uh, a, but, uh, it's a lot It'll cheaper. be interesting to see. I'm sorry, go ahead. It's a lot cheaper, Mike, than that. But, uh, but, oh, is it? but, but businesses get forced to do a whole lot of things, right? Well, it's interesting always, we've been talking they're about. They're always forced to, buy, to do, <laughs> you know, they're, they're forced to live within OSHA rules. They're forced with to, no, uh, to get that's licensed. True. They're forced in, for a lot of things. So this is just another mandate, I'm unfunded, I'm, unfunded mandate. Yeah. Of, well, that, that, mandate. that's probably the big point. It's just the unfunded one. The other thing is we've been talking about privacy. I wonder if anybody's going to raise a stink about it in terms of privacy as well. Uh, that well, somebody's oh, giving up their what? privacy if you go in the store. Go ahead. Yeah, well, what they've discovered, though, is that a lot of these businesses that already have cameras, that it has deterred crime. And they're in, in part modeling this after what's going on in Detroit with Project Greenlight, mm-hmm. where yeah. uh, there's been a lot of uh, surveillance cameras installed by the Detroit or police department has had the businesses do that anyway. Mm-hmm. And it's actually brought the crime rate down. Yeah, and I that's, think a, when, I would that's rather, voluntary in there. I would rather shop in a store that has cameras. Oh, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Because I, would, I don't too. care if they take my picture. No. Nope. I want them to keep out the bad guys. The bad guys don't want to go there because they're going to take the bad guy's picture, too. Go rob somebody that doesn't have one of these cameras. <laughs> I won't be shopping there, so it it's, doesn't matter. It's going to be safer in Clinton Township comes sometime coming soon. Okay, another headline. Uh, the Michigan Science Center is a little happier thing, is celebrating their first anniversary of their STEMinista program. Yeah, I went out there and shot some video uh, as a sort of pro bono thing uh, to support the whole idea of bringing uh, a lot more women into STEM, and that's science, technology, engineering, and math. And Dr. Matthews there, the CEO, Tanya Matthews, has set up a program for middle school girls, fourth through eighth grades, to get them exposed to the idea that, hey, this is really cool to have a STEM career. And, of course, there's a huge shortage of people in that area, and particularly females. I mean, yeah, I've seen numbers all over the board, but in Michigan we have a lot more engineers, so I think our numbers are closer to about 30% of those jobs are filled by females, but typically around the country it's only about 20%. Mm, mm. STEM and Easter, by the way, stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, and Math, the STEM programs, or we talk right. about STEAM programs, but in their case, STEM and uh, the uh, Michigan Science Center has, this is the, the first anniversary of their efforts to, to highlight this kind of thing. Good for them. Connecticut, now this is kind of interesting too, Connecticut is looking for a way of weaponizing drones for police use. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, but it, it isn't going to be like rockets and missiles and uh, machine guns. We're talking more like stun guns. Uh, but uh, they can come in really handy. They can get into areas uh, where... You know, a a person would be at risk in these uh, you know situation where you've got crime going on, rogue shooters tormenting a campus or kidnappings, things yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, of course, now we still have all these other rules with with the drones. They you know line of sight, they can't go more than four hundred feet up, and things like that. But I think all those are going to be changed here as we move forward. Because yeah. as I've said before, Amazon really wants to do delivery with drones, and you can't do it with this with the restrictions that we. But have. isn't this an interesting wrinkle that there? weaponizing some of the drones that some people have thought that that was something that was coming pretty quickly that they they would be weaponizing them because as you said they can get into places where uh, they can get at bad guys that uh, you know maybe the uh, the police can't get at as quickly on great britain i saw 
matter of fact, that there are a number of police agencies over in Great Britain uh, that are using drones as a regular part of patrols. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, just don't call it T1 or T2. For Terminator? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. So, went over my head there, as it were. So, uh, uh, over your head, yes. Yeah, there goes the drone, <laughs> over your head. <laughs> hey, another interesting point of news here is that AT&T has been selected for a first responder network. It's a broadband build-up for police, firefighters, emergency medical services as well. Yeah, all the, those are all good things. Uh, it, the, the network's going to be built out. Now, 5G is coming. Uh, a lot of people I talk to think 5G could be here by the end of the year. I, I'm not sure about that. Wow. But, but certainly when that happens, then you've essentially got broadband on your mobile devices. Uh, and so uh, that's really what they're looking at. They're going to be helping in all 50 states, the territories, D.C., all over the place. And it, the, the investment, too, for AT&T is going to create about 10,000 jobs, uh, it's and it, you know, and these first responders are the ones that always go running into the fires mm-hmm. or running into mm-hmm. the situation that are really that the rest of us don't want to be involved in. And it's really important that they have really good communication. And th- this is kind of solving the problem. I understand after nine one one that we found that there were there was not a good communication between different first responders going in, or they were, they were a multitude of different systems that were, were trying to uh, communicate with one another and were having a hard time doing that. This is an effort to make that, to smooth that out. Am I right? Yeah. So essentially everybody's communicating on the same yep. channel as yep. it were. Uh, so that the fire department, the police department, uh, you know, Homeland Security, if it's a really bad situation, whoever those first responders are, are all know what's going on and all communicating with each other in a really in a, in a broadband such a network where they can you know sh- share video they can do all sorts of things so Mike Brennan, by the way, is our guest here, as he is at this time on our program on a weekly basis. He's the editor of MI Tech News. Mike, tell folks how they would get MI Tech News. Well, it's simple. You just go to my website, www.mitechnews.com. Uh, you can go there. You can also sign up for newsletters that we send out on Wednesday, which features all of our audio and video, including you guys' show. We pick up your podcast as well as a number of others. And then all the new video that we're launching, uh, we're mm-hmm. going video big time because uh, we've seen studies that show by 2018, 80% of the social media traffic is going to be video, so we're trying wow. to get ahead of that. Uh, and it, it's really starting to catch on. I was not so sure whether it would, but we're getting a lot of people that want to participate in the video, so we're Excellent. excited about that. And then on Friday we have the, the, the story newsletters, uh, you know, all, all the top stories of the week, and you can get them both for free. For free. That was the important point. All you got to do is go to mitechnews.com and uh, put your email address in there, and free for nothing, you get that information sent to you, all those little headlines that we shared. This is kind of a good example of some of the things that are available to you, and there's much more there, audio and video as well. Mike Brennan, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks, Roger. Thanks, guys. Have a great show. Take care. Have a great weekend. That's Mr. Mike Brennan, the editor of MI Tech News. Well, guys, we're going to be stepping out for just a moment. When we come back in on the other side, rather than opening our program up for your listener questions, we've got some important information we want our folks here in studio to share with you. Ed Rudell is going to be talking about some important things that are coming out from Windows 10. And uh, Cal Carson, back with us, is going to talk about uh, 
iOS 10.3 that's been uh, distributed and also the issue of ransomware and Apple devices. That's a big one that's coming up. That's just some of the things we'll be talking about in our second hour, so you want to make sure that you stay tuned for that coming up here on the Internet Advisor. Thanks so much for joining us. You're listening to a podcast of the Internet Advisor Show. To see the show notes for this program, visit our homepage, theinternetadvisor.net. You'll discover past podcasts, our free toolkit with software to clean up your computer and keep it running strong, and many other resources. You'll also find links to mitechnews.com, our co-sponsored weekly tech and entrepreneur newsletter, edited by Mike Brennan. If you have a question for our hosts, just click the contact button on the homepage and send us an email with the details. And don't forget to look for us on Facebook and Twitter and at Detroit's newest podcast network, podcastdetroit.com. Welcome to hour number two of the Internet Advisor, a special edition of this hour this week. Hi, I'm Foster Brown, the co-host and producer of the Internet Advisor. And this week we're going to be doing a little bit different. We're not going to be taking listener calls this week because of some other things that are going on on WJR. But we're going to be inviting you to touch but not look. (laughs) We're going to be talking about art for the blind. That's right, coming up initially. And then Ed and Cal have some very special announcements for you this week. Well, Mr. Baker brought something interesting back from his trip down to the Caribbean. And uh, as a matter of fact, we're all going to benefit it. But particularly, those of our listeners who are blind, I think, are going to find this a very special segment of our program. That's right. You know, I was down um, <laughs> buying a ocean ca- um, uh, kayak, mm-hmm. and uh, I went into Nautical Ventures, uh, highly recommended. Uh, I started telling them what I was going to do, and they said, oh, charter, then, you know, you're going to have a small charter operation. you got to talk to our commercial guy. So I, I start talking to John Grau, and uh, come to find out, he's a Michigan guy. Ooh, a Wolverine uh, down there. And uh, <laughs> an actual University of Michigan. We overlapped uh, undergraduate uh, two years. He's two years behind me. I should say he's two years ahead of me, but he's not. He's two years behind me. <laughs> um, <laughs> But we started talking a little bit. He bought a Hobie cat from Mike Fortuna out at Whitmore Lake, and my brother used to work for Mike. And so then we started talking. We said, what do you what do you like to do for fun, you know? And I said, well, I have this radio program. And he said, I do sculpture. In fact, I'm going to be doing some sculpture for the blind. Oh, my goodness. And I said, we've got to combine our radio program <laughs> with your with your passion. Uh, welcome to the show, John Grau. John, welcome to the Internet Advisor. All right, guys. Thanks. Nice to be here. So so glad to have you on with us here on uh, WJR Radio in Detroit. And uh, right. in particular because of um, your program that you uh, just put on today with Lighthouse of Broward which is an organization that uh, helps with public awareness uh, for the blind, am I right, and visually impaired? Yeah, you're exactly correct. And uh, tell us how you got connected with it and how you're using art with the blind. Well, I've been making sculptures for about 20 years, and most of them, and I've done a few shows in the past, but it's not my profession, it's my avocation and my passion. Mm -hmm. So I have a lot of sculptures hanging around my house, and whenever I have a cocktail party or friends over, I have noticed over the years, and it's been many years, almost 20 years now, that everybody likes to touch the art. They love to touch the sculptures. And so as I thought about this, and I reflected on my life, I um, 
I was recalled back to when I was a wrestler in high school, and one of my best friends was blind, Paul Cipiola, who wrestled for Saginaw Arthur Hill. He was a uh, county champion and went on to get a scholarship at Ferris State. And I started thinking about how people who are handicapped by being visually impaired or blind, how would they enjoy the, the world of art? Yeah. Whether it, be, whether it be a Picasso or a Renoir, how would you describe you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a Jackson mm-hmm. Pollock style of painting to somebody who'd never seen anything like that. And sure. I thought it, it would be, uh, it's a shame that visually impaired people can't enjoy art. So I sort of, in, I don't know, there was an epiphany that came to me that said, why don't I do an art show for the blind? And I ran it by a few of my friends and they were, they thought, hey, that's a good idea. And so, uh, one day I just called up Lighthouse of Broward because they're the local, uh, service provider for, these people who are visually impaired here in Broward County, and they liked the idea. And, uh, and basically we ran with the ball. It was about a month and a half ago I, I, I contacted them, and uh, they do a meeting every Saturday morning for a focus group, and they said, well, come, come, come do that, and we'll invite other people too. And one thing led to another, and it, and it grew into a nice little event this morning. I was, I was, it was very interesting for me to do this, I have to say. Well, you know, it was interesting the way Foster introduced the segment, which was, you know, um, touch, don't look. And, <laughs> right. You know, when you think about it, um, it most artists don't want you to touch their art, and you do. You're willing to share this with people that otherwise couldn't experience it. I think that's wonderful. Well, I think when you go to a museum or an art gallery, the caliber of the art that they have there and the value of it, you know, they don't want people to mess with it. But sure. uh, certainly sighted people can enjoy sculpture <laughs> by not touching it. But if you're not sighted, you don't have right that exact, luxury. Right, exactly. Cal? And, oh. and, what are, and, and think about it. What other art form can somebody who's seeing impaired really enjoy? Man, you're right. Exactly. Well, I mean, music and da- dance and stuff like well, that. Well, not but, dance, but music. Well, they, they can dance, people that are... Oh, if they... That's yeah, true. Yeah, that's yeah, true. That's true. That could be expressive art. Cal? Yeah. The, the, the curious... and, and that was And that was one of the <laughs> things we talked about at our roundtable discussion afterward is uh, how you can make the, the best of what you got and uh, yeah. some of the things that require perseverance you can achieve. And so there was a lot of discussion about how they asked a lot of interesting questions of me, and my response was I attempted to convey the fact that uh, anybody can do it if they want to, given certain circumstances at hand, and uh, that you're definitely in control of your destiny, mm. and uh, you can be what you want. One of the interesting questions I got, Gary, related to our conversation earlier about how many hours it takes to become an expert at something. Right. Remember that conversation? Yes, you of said course. it took 10,000 hours to become an yeah. expert at virtually anything, right? And so they asked me how long I'd been doing this and specifically how long did it take to build certain sculptures. And they were, they were amazed when I told them that some of the sculptures hung around my studio for a couple of years before I deemed it sort of like at the done stage. Done. Yeah. You know? mm. Interesting. Cal, you had a, Cal, I had a question yeah, for you. I, I'm really curious, John. Um, not so much people who have lost their sight, but people who have never had sight. What sort of feedback are you getting from them when they touch your sculptures? What, what do they tell you about it, uh, their, their reactions? Yeah, you know, I'm still processing a lot of this information that came through my brain today. And one of the things I did ask uh, virtually everybody who was there, whether they had had sight at one point or another in their life. And based upon that piece of information, and then I asked them what they thought they were feeling there was definitely a uh, definitely, I would say, more people who had had sight before when I they could describe. Oh, this feels like a snake, or this feels mm. like a bird. They had something or, to. This feels, they had something to relate to. Point of reference. John, yeah. thank you. You know, I'm sorry, we're running out of time right now, but um, 
I, I want to thank you so much for what you've done for those who are visually impaired down in Broward County in Florida. John Grawis, an artist, he's uh, opened up his art to the blind. Thank you so much for doing that and for being with us today here on the Internet Advisor. Foster around Gary Baker, Ed Rudell, and Kel Carson. And uh, we've got some important uh, information for you who are Windows users and also those of you who are Mac users coming up in just a minute. But Ed, you had some comments about our last guest, John Grau, who is the sculptor from uh, Broward County, California, um, in the Florida. Florida. Right. Gary met him when he was down there, and it was fascinating putting on a sculpture show for the blind in particular. But you and I and I didn't have an opportunity to ask him this question. We ran out of time, but I've known several blind people growing up and in, in my adult life, and I remember with them with blind people, one of the things they incorporate. And a lot of their memories is uh, smell oh. and taste. So, like my name, Eddie, according to one of them, would always be banana strawberry with lemon. And <laughs> and if I ran into him twenty years from now, or if I ran into uh, Cheryl, it would be strawberry banana lemon, and she would know that's Eddie <laughs> because because she doesn't have a, a facial recognition sure. with my face, and it would be only my inflections of my voice and stuff that would I'll do that. Done. And the other thing with with uh, with artwork. Uh, sculpture in that it, not only texture but temperature and squishiness. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. That'd be interesting. So she all... just doesn't know how happy she is that she doesn't have a facial recognition of you. <laughs> <laughs> I have a face for radio, right? <laughs> now, Gary, you were making the comparison also about uh, you. Well, anytime you go to a, like a, a craft beer festival, right? They they call that uh, you know liquid art. So right, yes. But uh, but have you ever been in a brewery when they're actually brewing and fermenting it? Mm-hmm. Oh, the oh, smell just, is yeah, wonderful. Great. I used to <laughs> brew at home, and and my wife, you know, you 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 do use a five gallon or a two and a half gallon pot, and when you're cooking the wort, oh god, it just fills the house with that smell. It's <laughs> lovely. <laughs> you can tell where he's headed after the show. Food. <laughs> Beer, beer is food. You're cooking it. Yeah. There you go. Some people have air wicks. You have a beer wick. <laughs> Not going to go any farther with that. <laughs> well, Cal, we're glad to have you back in the studio because you are our Mac expert. And a couple things came up this week that I saw. One was um, the introduction of a new operating system, iOS 10.3, which is, uh, that's, for the mobile devices, right? For that, the, that, uh, that would be for any of the iOS devices. That would be either for your iPhone, mm-hmm. your iPad, and also for your Apple TV as well, and your watch, your Apple Watch as well. They all run the iOS operating What's system. What's unique about this this new one? Um, nothing. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, that was a short a, segment. There's a couple. <laughs> make it quick. Make it fast. Uh, there's a couple of things that are going on. One of the biggest things, believe it or not, is something that you won't even pay any attention to. You'll just use it because it just works, as Steve would always say, is that they're replacing the file system that drives these devices. That's it. And eventually it'll be across every Apple device, even into the Macs. Apple, for 20 years, have been using something called HFS, which is the file system that they've used. And uh, they started in around 1998. And it's been working for them, but they've been MacGyvering and sticking it together and keeping it going for the longest time. So now they've came up with a new file system, which is APFS, which is the new Apple file system that they're going to use. It's more scalable. It's, it's, it's got more features to it. And so they introduced it starting with the iOS devices. Now, if I'm, if I'm correct, when I read about that, aren't they going to also save a lot of space as well? 
Yeah, it's a much more efficient file uh, system all the way down the line. So they're, they're moving toward that type of concept with it. Okay, so I, this sounds like, one once again, smaller drives being able to handle what's on your computer if it's a system that's more efficient. By the way, you're listening to the Internet Advisor on WJR Radio. We're here on Saturdays from 4 until 6 p.m., and we're glad to have you folks who are just joining us from the MSU uh, Spring Game. Thank you for being with us. Right now, uh, Cal Carson, who was with us in studio, was talking about uh, the brand-new file system that's being put into Apple devices, the, in particular the portable devices like the phones and your iPads, etc. It's called iOS 10.3, and we're talking about some of the changes. One of the big changes behind the scenes, yeah. that's the file system. Is it true, then, that it's going to give you more space? I mean, it'll reduce the space, as Ed was saying, which may... Hard drives, I would imagine, much more efficient. Well, smaller ones. I don't know necessarily. It's going to give you more space, but it's going to be able to manage larger spaces better. And and, and as we all know, over time, the drives have been getting bigger, not smaller, because we just use more data nowadays. So uh, for these larger and larger drives, you need a more efficient file system, and especially for things like SSD drives, where you have to efficiently move that data around in order to make the SSD Mm -hmm. last for a long period period of time and and perhaps maybe we'll get a chance to have so, Ed talk a little bit about that because he sent us some good information about that this week uh, at work and it was just terrific i i learned a lot of it i did too yeah. i did too so so more than saving space it's probably going to speed up the system as well yes I'm definitely make it more efficient make it run better i knew there was some improvement with the ap uh, apfs the other thing that in 10.3 that they came out with if you happen to have uh if you're using the airpods which are the oh, wireless yes. uh yes headsets now they'll have it uh they have uh, incorporated code in it so that you can find those just <laughs> like you do when you want to find my iphone oh so you you so you have a little a little button you can push and the, and your earbuds will start chirping so you could find them as if, long as they're within range right if you go to the find my iphone application your earbuds will be listed in there you press the little button and they'll be sitting over in the corner going i'm over here or you know <laughs> or just beeping awesome <laughs> so you got that going there how uh, do you say co again i do <laughs> i'm over here <laughs> and then uh, let's see some of the other things that they're going to toss in there too uh, support for paying bills and checking status of bills and some of the payment applications on your fo- on your phone uh, this one I really like I can't wait to play with this support for checking the car fuel level lock oh. status and turning on the lights and activating the horn on your car no guess that it goes does that go with carplay yes okay Okay, so that's how it did. So you'll have that, that fun going on with it. Uh, there's, uh, I don't play, but for some reason or another, they've putting uh, some um, features in for uh, tracking cricket, the sport. Oh, the oh, mm. the sport of cricket. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Okay, uh, that's useless. Incorporation for <laughs> Apple Music <laughs> uh, to show you what's uh, coming up next on your music with Apple Music and that sort of thing. And then there's some other things uh, as far as with your Apple ID account, information for verification, uh, maps and weather, okay. uh, how it's displayed, and things like that. So it's pretty good. Quickly, with Apple ID, one of the things that I saw as a headline this week is ransomware. There's a huge ransomware threat out against Apple devices. Any advice for us, those of us who have Apple devices? First, first thing is don't panic. Second, you should be doing this anyway. Back up your machines. Uh, and I say what? back them up twice. 
uh, you know, back them up to one device and back them up to like the cloud or something like that. Okay. So you have something that in case something goes askew, you can go back and fall on. So I'm sorry, Foster. So the ransomware was related to the Mac OS? Yes. N- not necessarily what we were just talking about, the no. uh, the iPads and iPhones. I just want to make that clarification. It's. I think that it said, uh, yes. As far as I know, point. it's only that's for good. the Mac OS. Okay. Right. Because Good point. Because these type of attacks are usually they encrypt the devices. Yeah, and it's apparently it's it's gotten pretty big. And this like uh, what is this a deadline the, the on it? The funny thing though is I I I've, I've heard about this but I know of no one who has actually been victim yet. Well, apparently that's exactly it. They're trying to build this up. It's a it's a group out of Great Britain apparently. Right. It's a gang there that is threatening to and there have been a lot of people who have been looking to see if the... They claim to have well, millions well, of, of here, IDs. Here's the hook, and this goes back to something me and Gary were talking about earlier today. The way they're spreading this is through torrents. So people who use torrents can possibly pick up this disease and uh, get into their Mac, and then therefore it goes from there. When it infects, the legend says that it'll come up to your screen after it's encrypted your drive and request $400 or one Bitcoin to get the encryption de-encrypted. Mm. Well, I guess stand by, folks. We'll see if this actually happens, and uh, we'll follow the developments on that and just uh, as we go on with our program. In just a minute, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, Ed Rudell has got some things to tell us about Windows 10 Creators Update. That's coming out, uh, matter of fact, very soon, probably by the 11th of April, I believe. We're talking about some of the highlights that are going to be expected in that and also about the life cycle of SSDs. Now, let's get back to the second hour of the Internet Advisor. Thank you for joining us uh, live here on the Great Voice of the Great Lakes, WJR. My name is Foster Brown, and with me in studio is my posse, Gary Baker, my co-host, for going on 20 years now. Yeah, we're in our 20th year, if you can believe it. And Ed Rudell is here as well as Cal Carson. I don't think think it's really 20. It's more like we've done 19 and we're working our way towards 20. That's that's the same way as like when I'm 52 and I'm going to be 53. Right. We're in our 20th year. Is that like we're in the 21st century, but we're still in the 20th century? I think that's just the opposite. Oh, my God. Well, you know me. I had to break that. (laughs) I'm confused. (laughs) Hey, Cal, uh, since we just wrapped up talking about uh, the changes to the uh, Mac system. Yeah. Uh, we have a caller here from Livonia, a friend of ours, named Joe. Joe, welcome to the Internet Advisor. You had a question for Hi, guys. For yeah, Cal. I've got a couple of questions in regards to the compatibility uh, between the older, like even something as far back as 10.6 or 10.7. If I have a new computer that I have not yet set up and I want to be able to transfer the files from that old system onto this new AFPS system, are they going to be able to either file share or migration assist that information so that it would be compatible? And then second half of that, would I be able to have um, the two partitions, if I were to partition the, the hard drive that way, would I then be able to interact between the two uh, once they've been transferred? Okay, I'm going to take the second part first and say I don't know because I haven't done enough research on that particular thing. On the first part, I'm going to say that they shouldn't mix files back and forth with absolutely no problem at all because before I upgraded my phone to iOS 3, I did a backup 
to my computer, which is still running HFS. Then after I did the upgrade of my phone uh, to 10.3, I did another backup to my computer, and it backed up with no problems at all. So that was APFS going to HFS with no problem at all. So I don't think there's going to be problems as far as moving files back and forth. Oh, the stuff would hit the fan if there was compatibility. If there, there oh, were problems yeah. going back and forth, yeah, you know they had to. Have oh, without a doubt. I know. I thought I had heard that you couldn't go back and forth. No, that's... Well, so far, so good. It's okay. So uh, okay. I, I'm going to assume that it's okay, but, you know, until someone tells me otherwise or until my phone stops working, which would really <laughs> make me <laughs> upset, I'm going to assume that everything's working fine. Well, the other half of that, though, is the file system and migration assistant. Would it make any difference how the files get transferred? Now, that's a real hidden one, and I couldn't even tell you. And the only time we're going to actually find out about that is when they release it for the Mac OS. I, I believe at that time, the uh, as oh, we get closer right. to that, they'll start the conversations in that realm. Now, the question I would have is if you have a really old Mac that you can no longer update anymore to, like, Sierra... Yes. And say you were still stuck at back at Lion, or, or what, what was one of the old versions you cannot... Snow Leopard. Uh, Snow Lion Leopard. Mountain Lion which, yeah. and, and Snow Leopard. Snow Leopard. So if you plugged in, once you upgraded a phone to 10.3, which has the new APFS, if I plug it into a Snow Leopard device, will it recognize that, that, uh, that new file system? That's assuming a couple of things. Number one, uh, can you upgrade that version of iTunes onto that particular ah, older machine. There you go. If you can't do that, then it's a moot point right there from the beginning. Gotcha. Okay, Joe. The ransom, the ransomware thing? Yeah. What I had read is that they were threatening Apple itself that they were going to sit there and do this. Yes. They're trying to get the money out of Apple. Yes, yes. That, that's the extortion. They're trying to get the money out of Apple. Mm -hmm. All right. Thanks, guys. All right, Joe. Thanks so much for giving us a call. Hey, uh, let's shift from the Apple software or Mac software now over to the Windows side. And, Ed, you've got some of the highlights about the upcoming Windows 10 Creators update. Yep. Microsoft has been working on this since last October, if not sooner. (laughs) A lot of people have downloaded it and installed the Creators update, uh, if you will, betas um, and and. They've been making enhancements and corrections. So it's about ready to be released April 11th. What exactly is is the Creators Update? Now, they've been talking about it. If you remember, last October, we had Microsoft in here, and they were talking about being able to edit 3D models, and they're going to come up with a new 3D paint Mm -hmm. applications and stuff like that. So what they've done is they're they're trying to incorporate that 3D modeling, uh, 3D printing capability within Windows. And like... So the creators update, they're also taking the opportunity to update a lot of things within um, the how Windows is set up. As an example, the out-of-box experience, or as Microsoft likes to call it, the OOBE. It's the first time I've seen that. <laughs> I've always called it out-of-box experience. So they must have been listening to our radio program. Um, basically, uh, you could do hands-free pretty much hands-free by using Cortana. So when you first set up Windows 10, I'm not talking about the upgrade process. If you're already a Windows 10 user and you receive the creator's update, this won't happen. You'll just It'll just work. But if you were to buy a brand new version of Windows and install it on a system, you, you, there were times where you had to select the language of English and then you mm-hmm. go through the user acceptance mm-hmm. and then uh, the Cortana training. You can all do that without touching the keyboard or mouse because Cortana will talk to you and 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 give you instructions no and then she'll she'll listen to you uh basically 
Um, it, it, she'll learn your voice right off the bat? Well, just like uh, all of the other ones, they, they have yeah. pretty much patterns. So you got a hands-free setup with Cortana. So the Windows Hello experience, which is now oh, part of... Uh, that's right. Uh, it'll be also... Um, the f- they, they've modified that so you can set that part pro- portion of Windows up during the setup process. Tell them what Windows Hello is. So that's win- fascinating. So Windows Hello is facial recognition or, yeah. or selecting a photograph and then using your touchscreen to select key points uh, on the photograph like uh, grandma, grandpa, baby, and then you're in, you know, by or, tracing or lines. Or it maps points on your face, which is fascinating. It's facial recognition, well, well, Facial too. recognition, or you could use the touch points on the screen. Yeah, and what I, found, what I found fascinating in the reviews that I saw of this um, was that it, that works really well, almost right out of the box. Yep. Yep. Even my ugly mug. <laughs> so, um, as Cal would say. So, um, that's well, because one of a kind. So, <laughs> another, another thing that Microsoft did is they've really enhanced the Windows themes. Windows 10 themes were kind of lame, really. I mean, remember the themes you would get with when you had Windows XP yeah. and you only had a few? They they're really have thrown in a lot more themes and some of them 3D. So, we're, I'm looking forward to see what some of those are. Okay. Um, gamers mode. People are going to like this because, um, um, if you remember the old days when people wanted to run games on their computer, they'd have to modify them so that, you know, oh, I don't want this to start up and maybe I'll turn off my antivirus software and just so you can get the game to play without stuttering. Microsoft's going to incorporate a game mode within Windows 10 um, creators update so you can select it. So it'll put a lot of programs in the background and it'll put them low CPU usage. So it'll give you the best and fastest uh... performance you can get. Which I guess makes sense. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and maybe uh, selecting turning off your antivirus was a bad idea. It's not going to turn off your antivirus, but it's going to turn off a lot of things in the background. Mm-hmm. Like things you, you may not be aware of the fact that you've got them running. Exactly. So you, you'll get a few boosts in performance okay. on if your you're computer a gamer. in a gamer mode. Um, Shane will love that. Yep. Well, you know, if I was a gamer on a Windows machine, because I wouldn't be doing any work on one, obviously. Um, <laughs> Couldn't you just set up a virtual machine and game in that? Yeah, but, the, but then you've got a machine and another machine, and it's virtual memory. Whenever I tried to play a game in a virtual machine, it's like running Windows on top of Windows. It doesn't work that well. Uh, I use it more for testing they, purposes. Gotcha. Yeah. Another thing is Cortana now will incorporate into Groove or TuneIn or iHeartRadio. So now you can say, Cortana, could you play me some Beach Boys? So if you've configured it to, uh-huh. if you have Groove configured or iHeartRadio, it'll integrate in there. So that's sort of going into, you know, that other realm worth like Siri and some of the other. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. Amazon. Um, oh, here's one that I found really interesting. Windows CU, which is the nightlife. So what, oh, what this does is, is as you're working on your computer... Um, you've probably heard that you really shouldn't work on your computer before you go to bed, right? Because mm-hmm. the light from it messes with your circadian rhythms, right? Because well, that's the, the blue light, isn't it? Yeah, it's the, the blue problem. light. Right. So what it does is that my, what Microsoft, and it, you have a difficult time falling asleep. What If this is enabled, the nighttime feature or Windows CU, it does red shifting of the colors very subtly in the background, and it'll change the colors so that you have less of the blue light coming in wow. and more of the reds and the green <laughs> and the... What is it? Red. What are the primary colors? More of the reds. So it won't affect your circadian rhythms as much. Oh, and you know, I'm thinking it'd be really fun to like be at work and turn that on in the middle of the day and watch people pass out at their desk. <laughs> Siesta time. So, and I imagine some gamers may not like that because a lot of gamers would not want to turn this on because no. you know they're playing guys we work with. 
they they game until like two in the morning and they're there at seven. I'm like, how do you do that? You're <laughs> you're 45 years old or 50 years old and you're still a kid gaming to three in the morning. Why do you do that? Uh, it's you know, the Mountain Dew. They're nuts. It's, it's the Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ed. So these are some of the things that uh, we found. These are the highlights of the Windows 10 Creators Update. And that'll be coming out when, Ed? April 11th. April 11th. Look for that. <laughs> Stopping your machine and slowing it down while it does a... I'm going to guess this would be a pretty big update. I, I would think so, yes. Yeah, all right. Hang on, folks. we got a bit more before we wrap up here on the Internet Advisor. This is the Internet Advisor. I'm Foster Brown, Gary Baker, Ed Rudell, and Kel Carson, my posse in studio. And we're here on Saturdays from 4 until 6 p.m. And I think we'll be here pretty much undisturbed until about the middle of August. So uh, we're looking forward also to the return of the Swallows to San Juan Capistrano and uh, to Dr. Dean Krauskopf coming back. (laughs) 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 This next week, Dr. Dean will be with us from 3 until 4 o'clock here, just before our program, back playing in the dirt. As his Cal said, I think. <laughs> With my the buddy, WJR Garden Show. My buddy Dirtbag Dean. Yeah, uh, Dr. Jax. Oh, what was it? The Oh. Oh. <laughs> the dead bug juice. What was yeah. that? Oh, my goodness. Uh, I, I can't remember, but it's dead bug bit. Did, <laughs> Dean, we'll find out what that. Dead <laughs> bug bed. Br- I can't. Even, we'll have him on brew, at the, yes. of the program. They were a sponsor of his, and he would do that. And Cal would hear him say that commercial and would just laugh. <laughs> he was so good at it too. Because oh, I can't he, even say it. Doctor Dean and the WGR Gardening Show coming on from three to four o'clock, and then after that, us for two hours. And our second hour, normally from five until six, is one where we take your calls, and we'll be doing that uh, starting next week, uh, hopefully uninterrupted. Thanks to Mike Parsons and Mike Stetz and to Logan Stander for the folks behind the glass who have made the program possible today. It's been quite a wild time here. We're going to wrap things up. Um, Ed, I think you had some more to talk about the Windows Creators Update. Just a quick question. Yeah. I saw something advertised as a Creators Update, as a Windows Creators it looked like application. It was like the Windows Media. You know, it used to be sold a separate application for like a hundred and some odd dollars. Well, this isn't the same, is it? Well, Microsoft is going to be selling up for $120 Windows 10 with the um, creators uh, already included in it. Ah, okay. And the creators update. And the pro version, I think, is like 140. Forty. Uh, uh, the price I can't. It's a little bit more. It's a little two hundred for the Windows Pro version of it. Wow. Yeah, it's eighty dollars difference. I could never ever buy Windows. When when I found out how much it cost, I know. I, I know. Before I'd buy Windows, I'd go buy a cheap laptop. Yeah, for three hundred bucks, because like you know, if it's one hundred and eighty for Windows, you might as well get a free one hundred and twenty dollars laptop, would it? It's one hundred and twenty dollars for Windows because you only get usually home. Okay, unless That's you true. want That's unless true. you want to get the ultimate well, version. You know, it was free. Right. Yeah. Anybody could upgrade to ten for free. Yeah, and and the vendor. Yeah, it was free. It was. And and um, Microsoft's OEMs get it for five dollars a license. Yeah, usually, it's really, cool. it's really cheap. Five or twenty dollars a license. Or they could but, just buy but that what you say makes sense too. Yeah, I mean, really, it's like one hundred and twenty for it. Wow, you know, another one hundred and sixty. I got you know a laptop. With but it. you're paying three hundred more for the the hardware. Well, 
<laughs> it's still cheaper. <laughs> okay, so two of the other. <laughs> well, All right, there's, well, there, there's a bunch of these updates. So, uh, and I'll try to post a link to the uh, a PC Magazine article. Oh yeah, that was written by. Let me give him, uh, Mark Hatchman. Yep. Excellent article on PC Magazine, and uh, that's where I got all this information. That'll be on our, by the way, on our homepage at internetadvisor.net. Go ahead, so we go. had Windows Inc., which basically means you can add annotations, oh, yeah, comments so cool. to photos and videos. So uh, if you're actually watching a, a video and you're using Microsoft's Creative um, Edition, that you can actually draw on your screen if you have a touch screen. Mm -hmm. And, and, and you have to have the pen too, right? And you have to have the pen. And as you're drawing it, so basically the people are, that when you publish this and people are watching it, they'll see your, it's not like it just magically appears, they'll see you scribbling on it. Wait a minute. So, so, <laughs> so, so it just wait basically I incorporates it in, as an MP3 or a... Yeah, MP4. As, as MP4. So I can pretend I'm John Madden. I could have a, a football video going on. I yes. say, and there's a circle here, and there's a circle there. And there's that there. is a great analogy, Cal. Yes, wow. thank you. <laughs> yes, exactly. And, and the other thing is uh, Paint 3D and 3D Builder, uh, the additional applications that Microsoft's going to include. Okay. Okay. So, Cal, you were talking about, because we only did half of the Mac stuff, you were talking about uh, there's some new Mac products coming out. Well, yeah. Uh, there, there's a couple of things going on, and... Uh, they have a new iPad, a new 9.7-inch iPad, which is basically the size of the original iPad. Mm -hmm. But it's got all the power of an iPad 2 Air, a little bit thicker, but the price uh, is the cheapest they ever had for a brand new iPad. It's only $329 Ooh. only, I say. But uh, And that'll get you an iPad and get you into you the know, door. That's one truckload of scrap. I know that. <laughs> okay, I've done scrapping before. Okay, that'll do it for you. Knock yourself take, out. It sounds take great. Take note out there, folks. <laughs> but yeah, so you can get in for that. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about with ten point three. <laughs> <laughs> a new unit of measure. <laughs> I'd like to buy this car. How much would you like to pay? Well, uh, three loads of scrap. <laughs> it has to be a, uh, an eight by eight, you know, a nice bit, you know, regular four by eight bed. Yeah. Yeah. Have you been doing this for a long time, haven't you? <laughs> have you been into the cooking sherry before the show? Oh, <laughs> the other thing I wanted to say about 10.3 is that there's updates for iOS, I mean, for the watch OS and for TV OS as well. Oh. And for your Apple TV. So you want to connect those up to the internet, go out and get those updates for them and apply them to those devices as now, well. With the TV, is that only going to be with the new, uh, was it um, Apple TV 4? Yes, with the latest version of <laughs> Apple TV, because uh, that's the only mm -hmm. one that's running 10 anyway. Okay, so you want to okay. update that as well. And that costs, what, that new... Apple TV costs. It's well, cheap. It's under. It's under seventy five bucks, isn't it? Oh, no, I think something more. Well, it depends on which size you get. They have one that's. Oh, that's right. One's larger than the other one, and I can't pull it up that fast because I don't type that quick. But uh, yeah, there's two of them, and I think you can get into an Apple TV for like a hundred bucks easy, and then maybe the larger one has cost you a few bucks. Here, more. let me use my Windows PC. Hey, Cortana. Oh, this How is much? cute. I'm just kidding. So while he's doing that, <laughs> I'll just get Captain Jack's dead bug brew out and have a sip of that. Oh, my God. I was using Cortana. Android's voice recognition Great. software just a few minutes ago. That's why I brought that up. And I was responding to a, a text my wife sent me. I said, honey, make sure you check and see if there's a pickle fork and a uh, and a wheel-bearing press kit. And Cal looks at me. He goes, what's a pickle fork? And I says, it's, it's a fork you stick in a pickle jar. He just... <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> it's, 
you know, overheard conversations. Mm. I'm doing, I should have just typed it. No, you have to remember, I came from the sort of generation where you just open the jar, stick your hand down in it, and wrap that pickle on out of there. A pickle fork is for tie rod ends. Or, so. or I thought maybe it was back in the old days when they had the big barrel in a general store and you just went in and skewered one of those rascals. <laughs> That's awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, the stream of consciousness here is generally stream of unconsciousness. Go ahead. You were going to wrap up with something here, Cal. I don't even know at this point now. Uh, I was going to try and look up the price for the for the, the Apple TV, but I'm not going to even bother. Oh, here is something I did find out, totally unrelated, though. TiVo that came out with the new TiVo box called yeah. The Bolt, and it's got lots of features and stuff in it. In addition to that, for the next, I think it's for the next two months, if you have a TiVo Series 2 or Series 3 DVR with the lifetime subscription on it, which normally costs like about 350 bucks, mm-hmm. for 99 bucks you can transfer that lifetime subscription over to a TiVo Bolt, Bolt box if you decide you want to wow. go that way. Wow. And what is the advantage of TiVo? Oh, TiVo, you know, I, I bought one used, and it's been great. TiVo is a, is a, is, is a, 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 way, a DVR, but they have okay. more sophistication behind it because you can program it to record certain shows at certain times, mm-hmm. and it can also record entire series of shows. Oh, wow. So, for example, if I right now I got it uh, recording the entire season of Sun Records, mm-hmm. which is a, uh, a show that's gone the country music channel. Mm-hmm. And it goes out and it finds every occurrence of it, records it for me automatically, uh, makes sure it doesn't record multiple copies of the same yeah. show, organizes it. It's, it's, it's wonderful. Oh, wow. The TiVo interface is great. All right. Someday we're going to have to do that, our show on the alternatives to uh, the TV. Not to mention that TiVo also will work uh, both on over-the-air TV as well as cable. Wow. Folks, thank you so much for joining us here today. And thanks to the folks again behind the glass who have made the program possible. Starting on Sunday night, if you go to internetadvisor.net, we will publish the show notes for this. It'll have the information that uh, these guys have shared about both Windows and Apple. And we'll also have some links, for instance, to John Grau and his uh, great program that he had for uh, showing sculptures to the blind. And our first hour when we talked about privacy concerns. All that at internetadvisor.net. Have a good weekend. You've been listening to the Internet Advisor Show. Detroit's longest-running, locally-produced computer show with Foster Brown, Gary Baker, and our team of experts. For more information about our weekly show, to ask a question of our experts, or find the show notes for this podcast, visit internetadvisor.net and look for us on Facebook and Twitter. Don't forget to check the other great podcasts available on this podcastdetroit.com network. Thank you for listening.